Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Today's interview is with Steli Efti. Steli is the co-founder and CEO of Close.io, a Y Combinator startup that helps to improve communication and customer management for salespeople. Steli, welcome to the show. Hey, Omar. Uh, excited to be here. I've told our audience just a little bit about you. Tell us in your own words a little bit more about you personally, and then give us an overview of your product and business. Sure. So I'm originally from Greece, uh, born and raised in Germany. Um, I you know, come from a very humble background, uh, factory worker, immigrant family, and none in my, nobody in my family ever received a high education. And I was determined to keep it that way. Because I really hated school. And, uh, and uh, with about 70, 18 years old, I decided to drop out of school to start my first business. And I've been a, a serial entrepreneur ever since. A lot of times I joke and I say I'm completely unemployable since I have zero credentials. And, uh, and when people ask me why I chose to be an entrepreneur, I usually answer a lack of options. <laughs> so, um, so I started a couple of businesses uh, back in Europe. Uh, those were usually very small businesses, but they did really, really well. And after a few we- a few years of doing that, bootstrapping kind of small businesses that were not technology related, I had a big idea that was software and internet related, and it was a real like l- you know large vision that I had. And since I knew nothing about the internet or startups or technology or software, I decided to sell everything I had. I bought a one way ticket to San Francisco uh, about eight years ago now, and uh, I arrived at SFO actually asking somebody how to get to Silicon Valley. Um, just, to give, just to give you an idea how clueless I was, Silicon Valley obviously is not a city or a place. It's more of an area or an idea. So uh, a, nice, a nice older gentleman looked at me and, and puzzled and said, uh, do you mean Palo Alto, Stanford? And I said, Stanford, that sounds familiar. Yes, that's where I want to go. So I really knew nobody. I knew nothing about uh, anything really uh, related to Silicon Valley software or, or technology startups. And um, it turned out to become a really wild ride for me. Uh, my, my mission really was to be the stupidest person in the room. And eight years in, I'm still accomplishing that every single day. <laughs> um, and my first venture failed. Um, miserably, and it was pretty crushing. Uh, you know, it was kind of a, a dead startup after two years, and I couldn't couldn't accept defeat or failure. So for another three years, I was just pushing pushing that dead horse, uh, trying to 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 push it up a up a mountain, and and just struggling uh, very dramatically. And then eventually, I had to ex- actually accept defeat. And I, uh, I wanted to find a job for the first time in my life. And I kind of stumbled and fell into my next startup uh, and, and started a company that today, you know, after a few twists and turns and a few pivots, what we do uh, today is Close.io uh, very successfully, which is basically very, very uh, simplified sales software that allows uh, specifically inside sales teams. So people that sell through the phone, through email, through online demonstration, not the typical door-to-door salesperson, but really the, the salesperson uh, that sells you know, uh, from their desk uh, allows and empowers salespeople that do inside sales to sell more, close more deals, communicate better and more, 
And now we have you know thousands of customers around the world, and we're a pretty successful, profitable, high growth uh, business. Great, thanks for that. Now, before we dive into more details, we like to kick things off with a success quote to better understand what drives and motivates our guests. What is one of your favorite success quotes? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's, I'm not sure if it qualifies for a quote, but it's quote-ish. And it drives um, a lot of my daily decision-making, and it's something I'm teaching to a lot of other entrepreneurs, specifically when it comes to like what I like to call emotional alchemy, so turning like negative emotions or emotions that would usually stop you from doing things into empowering states. So um, I read this somewhere. I don't know who said it, but it, it was basically saying that the difference between a coward and a hero is not that the coward feels fear and the hero doesn't. Both of them are afraid. The difference between the two is that the hero acts despite being afraid versus the coward that is limited and stopped by his own fear or her fear. And that is really a driving kind of day-to-day force in the way I make decisions. There's many times where I hesitate, I'm afraid, I feel shame. I'm unclear or uncertain, and that emotion would usually stop me from doing something. And then I rem- remember this quote, and I tell myself to uh, to get over myself and do it anyways. Right? Uh, I reach out to this important person, although I feel afraid of being rejected. Um, go for a big deal or push in a negotiation for a term that it's important to me, although. I'm afraid that it won't work. And and just tell myself, you know, no, it, it, whenever I try to talk myself out of something, uh, I remember that quote and it really drives me forward. Awesome. I love that one. Okay. Let's start by giving the listeners uh, a better understanding of your current product, Close.io. Tell me a little bit more about who your target customers are and, and what are the pain points that you're trying to solve for them? Yeah, it's a great question. So to backtrack a little bit, you know, when we started the business, originally what we were doing uh, was called Elastic Sales. And what we offered was an outsourcing, an outsourced sales team on demand for technology startups in Silicon Valley. So what we wanted to offer to primarily SaaS businesses was the ability to tap into an infrastructure and and into a large pool of salespeople that would go out there and sell your product to other businesses. And you would be able to kind of control everything that's going on and scale up and down depending on your needs or success. Uh, So kind of thinking like Amazon's AWS, but for salespeople, right? Um, and we did that quite successfully. We worked with over 200 venture-backed startups doing sales for them uh, and figuring out sales models for them and closing deals for them. From day one, when we started that services business, that outsourcing business in the sales space, we knew selfishly that we hated the sales software that was out there. I personally hated all the CRMs out there, all the sales software out there. So I didn't want to have to use crappy software, honestly, for eight, nine, 10 hours every single day. So from, way, from day one, 
you know, I, I, I was blessed of having two technical co-founders, two engineers that were really awesome product people. And we talked about this, the, this idea for the business. And we said, you know what? If we do this, let's use technology to help us actually scale that massive sales force and outperform and outcompete in the market with other sales teams and also manage the complexity of doing sales for so many different other businesses. Also, let's build a piece of sales software that's awesome and that we would love to use all day long. That was kind of the, the initial idea. And we wanted to use that software only internally. And we called it our secret sauce. And for two years, it was an internal piece of software that for the first six to nine months really didn't have any grand vision. And then eventually and gradually through our unique vantage point and unique perspective of doing sales for so many different businesses in so many different sales cycles and sales uh, verticals, we actually started really gaining clarity on what we what we believe good sales software looked like. So at the very beginning, um, we believe that sales software at its core is communication software. Most CRM systems out there, uh, the paradigm that they were built on was that they're a database and a database where you can put data in about your customers. So who is a better person to keep doing manual data entry about customers other than the salesperson, right? Well, almost anybody, because salespeople really hate manual data entry, and they suck at it because they hate it. And it really, I think, is a misrepresentation to call most of the CRMs out there sales software because they really don't help salespeople sell more. They're more of a tool for salespeople. That's, they're a tool that slows salespeople down more than it speeds them up. So we want, we believe that sales at its core is communication. It's about results driven communication, helping people make decisions to purchase your products or services and do that primarily through communicating to them. So we knew that good sales software was about helping salespeople communicate better, communicate more. So we built closeout on top of that paradigm. What that means in practicality is that we are CRM that has a VoIP system out of the box. So you can make calls and receive calls from the software from the first moment you open up uh, the application. So you can just click on a phone number on a lead or a prospect and our software calls that customer for you. You can have the conversation using our software. And because of that, you don't have to manually log or track calls. Everything is automatically tracked. You can even record calls and you can do a lot of nifty cool things with it and be more productive in the amount of calls you make, the amount of calls you receive from a sales perspective. And the same thing that we did with calls, we did with emails, with very tight email integration, and we allow salespeople to do a lot of awesome things around sales emails. And so basically all communication through calls, through emails, everything you do is automatically tracked. You can do it through the software. And as a result, we see that companies that use our software just have more communication, better communication. They see an increase in revenue and sales. Our customers are people like us. So entrepreneurs, startups, technology businesses. Um, typically from, the, from a five-person sales team all the way up to a 250-person sales team, that's kind of a sweet spot, so more in the SMB. We don't service large enterprise customers, but we do have fairly big sales teams and big technology companies like, uh, as an example, of Foursquare um, is using our software and some other really awesome businesses. And 60% of our uh, customers are in the U.S. Uh, and 40% are around the globe, so pretty international. Okay, great. So you had this idea 
for an effectively an internal tool to help you run the the elastic business and your own sales teams um and then you said that you you kept this as an internal tool for a couple of years before you decided to launch it as a product yep what why why did you make that move what what signs were you getting what what were the the indicators that there was a product opportunity here and and then how did you go about trying to validate that that's a great question so I would love to tell you that it was me being a visionary founder and CEO that, you know, spotted the perfect timing and opportunity to launch this and made a very decisive step into, you know, made the decision and said, this is what we're doing. But it was not, the truth is not uh, as glamorous as that. So the, the honest truth is that a couple of things came together. So number one, um, the, as the software became better and better, our salespeople started showing the software to other salespeople. And we started getting kind of outside market validation by having salespeople call us or email us and telling us, we want the software. I just saw a demo uh, from my friend who works at your company, and I want to buy the software. Our company needs this kind of software. What do I need to do to become your first customer on the software side? So we started getting more and more outside uh, salespeople and sales teams reaching out because they saw the software somewhere and wanting to buy the software. Um, we started seeing more and more of our own customers that were using our services and were renting, quote-unquote, renting our salespeople. Once they saw the software, they started asking us, could we also use the software? We want to also buy the software, not just the services. So we started getting kind of outside validation that, not just we thought our software beca- had become a really awesome and really powerful product, but other people felt the same way. And then, but that was not enough because the services business, although it was, you know, a profitable business and a growing business, was also a very, very challenging business to run. Uh, you know, with lots of headcount and lots of complexities and doing all these campaigns. And as a kind of focused CEO. I, you know, I, I was seeing all these signals and I truly believe we'd build an amazing piece of software, but I was hesitant to start a separate business or launch the software because it was hard enough to run the business that we had. And I, I was afraid, honestly, to start another business on the side. So I pushed back on, on that initially. And that what happened was that a small team in our company started really lobbying pretty hard that we need to release the software and the software needs to be, um, launched and that there's a massive opportunity we're missing and that team just that small team just hustled me at every single opportunity you know at breakfast lunch and dinner at all meetings every time and i would push back as hard as i could but at the end of the day the personal the 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 group that has the highest level of determination and clarity wins and that is what happened eventually they got me at a weak moment and i said all right okay we're launching the software uh Go into this room, you have three months, launch it. In the next six months, let's prove that there's really a market for this out there. Um, And that's really what it was. It was not as strategic as you would like it to be. It was not as, it was really the world telling us they want it. And then a small group in our company really, really championing it. And in a weak moment, me saying, all right, okay, let's do it. What the hell? 
And, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're almost always wrong, but once in a while, you're glad you're wrong. And this is one <laughs> of these cases where I knew we had something special. But honestly, Omar, I thought that it would take us a year, two, three years to catch up with the revenue that the services business had. I thought it would take forever. And uh, I was wrong. Within the first year, the software was outgrowing the services business. And it, would all, it only had a team of four people working on it. And it was clear, holy we really have something amazing. We need to focus on it. And that's really kind of the, the whole background story on that. So how much work was involved in transforming this internal tool into a, a, you know, a commercial product? And, um, you know, what did, what did that first iteration of that public product look like? It's a great question. So, so, we made some funky decisions when it comes to that. And in hindsight, a lot of those were probably right. At the time, I was frustrated uh, maybe with one or two of them. And that was that the internal tool obviously was not built um, as a real product. And a lot of times, we just hacked things because we could tell our employees what to do and not to do. We didn't have to have any sign-up process, right? Any user admin controls. A lot of things that a normal product has, we just never needed. Um, so. So when we decided to launch the product, the team, early on, the product team that was working on it, early on decided to actually rewrite it from scratch and actually basically turn a lot of bad decisions that were made early on into good ones and think this through architecturally and make, make it really a round product. Um, that was in, high, you know, in hindsight, it was probably the right decision. At the time, what it meant was that you know, I don't know what the exact timelines were, but we didn't keep the timelines exactly the way we wanted it. We didn't totally mess up in the sense of like wanting to launch in three months and it took us three years. But it was like, I don't know what the real timeline looked like. But we probably wanted to launch in three months and it took us four or five or something. Um, so it took a little longer than expected. And the first iteration of the product really had almost had all the core things that made the product a killer product. So it had the the calling functionality, it had the email integrations. It was really an amazing tool to communicate, make a lot of sales calls, send a lot of sales emails, have all, all the communication in one place. But it lacked a lot of really basic things that you, you would think you couldn't launch without. So as an example, we lacked any kind of reporting in our CRM when we first launched. So when you bought Closer at first, you, your sales team now made more sales calls and more sales emails and probably closed more deals, but there was no way for you to know because we didn't give you any reporting on it. Wow. And yes, wow, right? And, and, and really, uh, that was a great decision because although, you know, after the first few months, some customers would churn because they would tell us, we love this product, but we just can't live without reporting anymore. Although we had that, that, higher churn that we would have if we if the product was more rounded and had reporting in it. Um, what it showed us was that even when a massively crucial thing is lacking, people still love the software and people still buy it. You know, the, so, and it gave us real motivation and a real, a, a real outside force to push as hard as possible to build reporting because we had real customers from day one, right? And our customer base was growing. So um, I tell people that, you know, when you, when is the right time to launch? 
you know, really, really early. And you can launch so early that you think, wow, my software doesn't do the most crucial, most basic things. If people still buy it, that's real market validation. If your product sucks in certain areas, is really broken in certain ways, and people still buy it, that means that you're onto something. And then it's just about fixing these things as quickly as possible and, uh, and, and servicing your customers better and better and better. And that's what we did. Now, you know, you mentioned that you were concerned about building this business on the side um, and then having sort of two businesses to juggle and, and potentially the lack of focus there. Let's talk a little bit about the, the 800-pound gorilla as well. Um, you know, normally I don't kind of spend a lot of time talking about competitors, but since you mentioned it on your own website, let's talk about Salesforce. And yeah. what concerns, did you have concerns that, hey, look, we're getting into a market which is already pretty dominated by a big player. Um, you know, do we really have a chance of, of being successful here? You know what? We never asked that question. Uh, it sounds crazy, but it's not like we weren't aware that there's there's not it's not just the big eight hundred pound gorilla. There's a million like offerings uh, when it comes to the CRM market. There's so many players. So we knew from the get go this market is crowded, and there's a really there's one really massive player that's the brand that everybody thinks of. Um, at the same time, we knew that most most of the competitors' product, in our opinion, in our you know, whatever you want to call it, arrogant or ignorant. But in our opinion, it's just those products suck. So we thought if we think they suck and other people who see our software tell us they also think our software is a million times better and they want to pay us money for it, there surely must be a market. Like I never doubted that we would have a market for this. What I doubted was how long will it take for us to actually like gain traction here to educate the market that we even exist, to market this effectively against others. Those were the things I thought it would take a long time. I never doubted that we would get there. I just doubted or I just had um, concerns how long it would take us. And, uh, uh, and, and as I said, at the end of the day, we said, you know what, let's just, just not overthink this. Let's just put the software out there and see what it does, right? Um, and the first month was a lot better than we thought. And then I thought, yeah, but that's the first month. And we, we, a lot of people knew us and we had kind of a nice brand already in the startup and sales space. So a bunch of people were buzzing around it. So we we're like, all right, the first month was good. Let's wait for the second one. Oh, the second, it was better than the first one. Well, let's wait for the third month. And every month was better than the month before. And very quickly, those numbers grew to something substantial and, and, I don't know when the moment was, but very quickly we all started just thinking, this is it. Like we're really on to something. Um, if, if somebody can, if I had no, I, I think about this a lot of times when people um, come to me with their ideas and it seems like they want to enter a really crowded market with a really big dominant player. Usually you tell people, maybe this is not a good idea. Um, I, I don't know. I might have, I probably would have told myself that it was not a good idea to go into the CRM market. And I didn't, and, and it, CRM, like we didn't grow up as little kids thinking we want one day we're going to build a CRM software tool or anything like that. So it really, everything happened so organically. We just, we needed the software ourselves. We hated everything that was out there. So we built something we loved and then we saw other people loved it. So we allowed them to buy it. And then we saw a lot of people bought it and we started thinking, well, this is what we should be focusing on. 
everything happened pretty organically um, and not as strategically as you might uh, imagine. So we never worried too much about competition and it never it has never stopped us from growing and being successful. Okay, so you launch the product, um, you have these uh, other salespeople that your sales guys have been showing the the internal tool to anyway. You have your some of your customers who've been asking for this. So there's there's already some initial demand and people that you can go and do some outreach with to to start, you know, using the product. But yeah. beyond that, what else did you do to to get the word out about? Yeah, that's a great question. So really early on, I think we decided when when we looked at all possible ways to market our software, uh, we thought, all right, since there's these massive players, there's all this competition, what is the one channel that we can use to market our software where we believe we're better than anybody else or where we can really make a difference? And we really looked at content marketing and the concept of out-teaching our competitors and thought, yeah, we probably know more about sales than most of our competitors do. We've probably seen more of the like cutting-edge sales approaches and methodologies and tactics than anybody else with this secret sales lab in the heart of Silicon Valley doing sales for all these different venture-backed businesses. We thought that we have a lot of knowledge. Let's just focus on creating content and teaching what we've learned. And that was really our main focus in the early days and still our our main focus today. We don't do any SEM. We don't do any SEO. We don't do a lot of PR. We don't do any, we don't even do outbound sales. Like we don't, we have not yet gotten to the point where we wanted to start the outbound and, and, and cold sales engine. Everything we've been doing since day one has been inbound sales, all incoming leads from two main sources, one is our content marketing and the other one is word of mouth, uh, our customers showing our software to other customers. Um, so we really zeroed in on content marketing. We started blogging. We started guest blogging. We started giving webinars. We started giving talks. And uh, we just increased the amount of content we produced from day one. But we, our whole mantra when it came to marketing and selling our software was let's out-teach our competitors because we believe we can. So if a software company is doing content marketing and they do it effectively like you guys were doing, then do they really need a sales force? Do they even need companies like Elastic? Yeah, that's a great question. So I believe, yes, we we have salespeople, right? We sell to our inbound leads, but we just don't sell to all of them. So we have inbound leads where it's very tiny teams, it's self-service, we send you we, – we have a lot of content around how to use the software. The software is very intuitive. So a lot of our customers don't need to be sold to. The product sells itself. They buy themselves. Whenever they need something, we're there. But we don't really actively need to sell to them. But there are uh, pl- plenty of our customers that are bigger teams, more complex buying cycles, more complex implementations of the software. And these people want to and need to be sold to. So we do call our signups and our leads. You know, if you come and you sign up for a free trial and you play around with our software, you, you will get a call from us. We'll ask if we can do anything to help you. And we'll try to understand you as a, as a prospect to see if we need to really engage you in the sales cycle or not. So I do think that salespeople are important if you're selling 
at a point where a, a, a customer is worth thousands and thousands of dollars to you. Obviously, if our average customer lifetime value was just 50 bucks or something, we could not afford having salespeople. Um, but we do and we, we have. Um, but uh, so content marketing for us is just the way we generate leads and the way that people come to the top of our funnel. But uh, the, the entire rest of our sales pr- uh, process involves people, not just the way we sell to you or having salespeople reach out to you, call you, send you emails, approach you, um, give you a demo and things like that. But also the way we do support involves just a lot of human touch. We, we like to be very close to our customers. We like to reach out to them. We like to be really visible and personable. And it has made a big difference. So a lot of... Um software companies and, and particularly startups that are very product driven. I often hear them talking a lot about, you know, we, we're just going to focus on building a great product and everything else will work itself out. And marketing is often an afterthought, right? I mean, we'll worry about marketing at some point in the future. Right. And sales is almost a completely non-existent <laughs> conversation. So, yeah. Just to kind of educate everybody a little bit, um, how do you make the distinction between what's marketing and what's sales? It's a great, uh, great question. And, and uh, I think uh, an honest and truth observation. Um, so, and, it, and it's a, a bad idea, right? So if you're a startup and you're listening to this and you're thinking, I'm just going to build an awesome product and I don't have to worry about anything else you're probably wrong and you should start worrying about other things as well. Um, so the difference between marketing and sales to me, it's very simple. Marketing to me is about generating leads, right? generating opportunities, prospects, making not just people aware, but making them aware to the point where they want to engage. right? And then sales is all about Helping those that are aware and engaged and interested in what you do, helping them make a decision as quickly and as positively as possible. So, you know, empowering the interested to become committed either to buying or even to not buying. Both of those are fine. Um, so sales is really the an end result driven activity, taking somebody interested and helping them through all the questions and all the steps to buying and purchasing your solution. Marketing is about Telling somebody who's never heard of you, never thought of you, and didn't know you exist, that you exist and and that you might be able to make a difference to the point where that person starts becoming interested, starts becoming aware of you, interested, and then eventually, you know, steps in and maybe signs up for a trial or contacts you or somehow is now at a point where that person wants to learn more and actually figure out if this is something for them or not. Awesome. So, you know, often I hear people talking about um, people People in the tech industry often seem very nervous about selling, right? Um, I'll often hear people tell me, you know, I, I can't sell anything. I just don't know how to do that. I hate that. Um, yet, if you ask them to tell you about a product that they love, they actually do a pretty good job at selling that product. Yeah. Right? So for someone out there who's saying, you know, I hate selling, but it's it's a part of what they need to do just in terms of the product or the industry that they're in, what advice would you give to somebody like that? 
what could they do to be a little bit better at selling? Actually, let's let's maybe that's a bit of a longer question. Let's talk about how 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 can they change the way they think about selling? Yeah, that's a great question. So, number one, I don't think like I think everybody can be really effective at selling, and, and you're probably wrong about what you think makes somebody good at sales versus bad at sales. I actually think that engineers can make really amazing salespeople, for instance, and a lot of people find that counterintuitive. I think that selling at its core is not about being massively charismatic and outgoing and just entering every room and wanting to talk to every person and making everybody want to do everything you want them to do, right? Uh, selling is also not about being like the wolf of Wall Street, kind of like going out there and go-getter, push people around and and aggressively force them to buy whatever you want to sell. Like that's not really what it's about. And non nobody who is in 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 a startup environment wants to do that kind of a sale because it's going to destroy your business. The selling at its core is truly just about understanding another human being, another person, another business, understanding who they are, what their needs are, what their problems, their challenges are, to the point where where they convince you that your solution actually could make a difference, and then showing them how your solution or software could make a difference. If you if you get those two steps right, you're going to be really effective at selling. Right? All you have to do is you have to first understand, which means for a lot of people it's surprising that to me selling is more about asking questions than talking, right? Asking the right types of questions, letting the other person talk to educate you on who they are, what the business is like, what their, what their workflow is, what their needs are, until they get to the point where they've convinced you, holy yes, now I truly understand them, understand the business, and yes, our software will make a difference. Now I'm convinced. At that moment, you don't even have to sell, right? All you have to do is you have to tell them, you know what? After I heard all this, I actually now truly believe we're a good fit. And, and I'll tell you exactly why. Because A, B, and C. Here's the, the one reason why I think our software will work for you. And here's what it will do. It will create this kind of value. That's If you can do that, you're already like above most of the people that are doing sales around the world. Yes, there's things that you can do above that. In negotiation, in your follow-up hustle, right? Uh, which is another thing that I try to teach a lot of people, just being a lot more relentless in the way they follow up. And so on and so forth. There's a lot of things that you can optimize. But if you, if you only do one thing, which is whenever you talk to somebody, ask them a lot of questions and the right questions until you truly understand them, really understand them. And once you truly understand them, ask yourself, can I really actually help them? Can our software really make a difference? And when it does, then convince them of that. Pitch them why you think your software can make a difference. You're already a great salesperson. And that's really all it takes. Are you still running the the Elastic business as well? Or has Close.io become almost a full-time endeavor for you now? No, Closer is a full-time endeavor. That's all we do. We've shut down Elastic Sales. And what we actually did is because we didn't need that many salespeople for Close.io was that we took some of our most successful teams and we placed them at our clients as now directors of sales, sales managers, VPs of sales. So there's now seven or eight high-growth startups that are crushing it where the sales leadership are ex-Elastic salespeople. And all of them, Every single one of them 
is a Closire customer. Uh, we were joking that this is the least scalable growth hack ever. It's like hire lots of people that you want to become your customers later on and then basically either fire them or place them at other companies and then hope that they will turn around and actually buy your software. Uh, but it worked out pretty well for us and we're really good friends with all of them. But the the entire team is fully focused on Close.io right now. We don't do anything else. When did you launch Close.io? We launched Close.io in January 2013. So now almost about two years ago. And at what point did you believe that this was, this was the business? I think probably three to six months into it. So kind of mid, mid uh, 2013, we all knew this is it. And then it took us another six months to, you know, take all the necessary steps to transition out of the services business into the software business. So um, basically end of 2013, we were completely out of it. Uh, and tw- 20, so 2013, it was a transition year from the software, from the services to the software. And 2014 was, uh, the entire year was fully focused on the software. The first year that we were fully focused on the software. Okay. Okay. Got it. Looking back at those early days, what do you think was one of the biggest mistakes that you made? Of Closer or of the entire company? <laughs> because there's Let, different answers. <laughs> let's, let's focus on Close.io. Yes, okay. Um, an early bad decision we made early on. It's actually a, a, a difficult question. Uh, I know this sounds weird. Because there's so many mistakes we made. But I always t- I tell some people that ask me, and they're like, wow, wh- how have you been so successful with Closer so quickly and we've grown pretty, pretty fast and all that? And I say, you know, it, all the mistakes we made with Elasticsales and all the mistakes we saw our clients make and all the experience we made through doing sales for so many different businesses, all that benefited us quite dramatically. So when we launched Closer, we were able to basically benefit from all that experience, all these trials and errors, all these mistakes. So we didn't make as many mistakes as you usually would. Um, I think that we should have launched earlier. Uh, we should have like the the biggest mistake is that uh, it took too long for the team to convince me to make that step, and then us to really fully commit to the software. I think we should have made that probably six to nine months earlier would have been. Uh, the better time frame. Uh, so that was the biggest mistake. It took us too long to launch uh, or to decide that we would launch the software. Beyond that, I couldn't think, I can't think of too many things we did really wrong because we had learned a lot from all the things that we did before that. Yeah, I mean, it does sound great in terms of having launched and then sort of three to six months, um, you know, you guys are getting great growth and you already feel like, okay, this is the business and, uh, you're planning an exit strategy out of the the services business, but in many ways, I think hearing your story, it it kind of started much earlier, right? I mean, you had almost two years of just testing this tool. Oh yeah. Um, before you you got it out to to customers and uh, having salespeople out there and in your own services business prov- probably provided you guys tons of data and insights to to help you build a better product. Yeah, absolutely. Like we could, we couldn't have built this if we had, if we had come together and said, let's build better sales software. I'm convinced we wouldn't have built something great, but we came together and said, let's offer never again should a great company fail because of sales. And let's offer startups this amazing platform where they can get amazing salespeople to sell their awesome software. 
And, and I truly believe that we were running a software sales lab. We weren't aware of that, right? In hindsight, we were able to build really amazing software because we were running the, the services business. And also, to be honest, the reason why we have great, we had great content marketing was that we learned all these amazing things nobody else learned and tried all these crazy things nobody else tried in the services business that then benefited us being sales experts uh, once we launched the software. And I could go on and on and on. We, we learned so much about pricing, working with all these SaaS startups. We learned so much about kind of auto, the, the automating our conversion funnel and, and creating really effective drip email marketing campaigns. And we did all these sophisticated things from day one, but we learned them in the previous two years, prior two years, as we were building the software. So it's really not a fair comparison um, to a company that maybe had launched the same month with us but didn't have all the backstory and, and context. Um, that really made a dramatic difference. Okay, let's talk about the, the business today. What, how, how big is your team currently? We're a tiny team. We're six full-time people. And then we have uh, one or two people that work with us uh, kind of remotely on a freelancer basis. Um, so, you know, six to eight people uh, all in all. We love being small and we really intentionally work hard. One of our mantras is that we work hard really every single month reinventing the way we work in order to stay as small as possible as a team. Um, although at the same time, our revenue and our growth is pretty phenomenal. So what sort of revenue are you doing these days? So that's a great question. We're not disclosing our numbers. Um, it's definitely in the millions and uh, it's definitely on par with a bunch of other companies, SaaS companies out there that have raised tens and tens of millions and hundreds of employees. Um, we, we know that we're growing at, at similar levels to some of the best SaaS businesses out there. Uh, although we are a tiny, 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 probably the smallest team compared to anybody in our market. And we love that. We're really proud of that. Uh, we're proud of being you know, really profitable. We were proud that we've built a really amazing software. And we're going to grow over the next uh, uh, years uh, in terms of people. We're going to hire some more people, that's for sure. But we like to be small. We like to kind of run as an A-team uh, rather than uh, hiring hundreds and thousands and thousands of employees. Um, so so we, we, we think small is beautiful in terms of team size. Are you profitable? Yes, we are. Now... Presumably, you used uh, you know the revenue from the Elastic business to help fund uh, Close.io. You guys also went through Y Combinator. Um, beyond that, did you guys take any other funding? Uh, yes, we did. So we started the the corporation, the business, three years ago. Uh, yeah, three years ago. Uh, maybe now, bordering on 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 four, um, and. When we at first it was a completely different idea, same founding team, a different idea. We went through Y Combinator, we raised a fairly large seed round for that idea, and then you know nine months into it, uh, we did, we figured out that that idea wasn't working, and we pivoted to what became Elastic Sales. Um, so we used the the we used a little bit of seed funding was still less uh, still left, so we used a little bit of the seed. Uh, money that we had raised for that other idea to kind of kickstart Elastic Sales. And then Elastic Sales became a profitable business and Elastic Sales basically funded Close.io. So I always joke that we're both a venture-backed and bootstrap business at the same time um, because we raise money from YC, from some VC funds, from Super Angels, to all the way to Tiny Angels. It was a, you know, 13, 14 participants in our seed round. 
Um, but actually, the software was funded by revenues of a completely different business. And today, we're being offered you know, venture money every single day. I get tons of emails from VCs that want to invest tens of millions in our business. And we say, no, thank you at this point. Uh, we might do that down the line, but just right now, we're comfortable where we are. What's the one thing in your business that you're most excited about right now? Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, there's no, there's no like one thing in the sense of I see this big trend and I'm excited about big data or mobile or artificial intelligence <laughs> or whatever. Uh, there's no, there's, it's really, they're, they're really the simple things are what excite me most. Showing up every day at work, making a difference in so many businesses, so many, for so many entrepreneurs, helping companies succeed through sales. Um, and we do that through our software. We do that through our content. Every day I get multiple people sending me thank you emails, both for the software and the differences it's made to their success, but also for the blog posts we, we, we post and the content we put out there and how it made a complete difference and how it helped those companies be more successful. I'm just excited about keeping keeping the traction that we have and actually do it bigger and better every single day. And I truly believe that if you if you take small things and you take care of them and you you put energy and effort into them, they grow into bigger and bigger things. So I'm excited about showing up every day and do what I've done yesterday and do it bigger and better. Um, and just serving more customers, more salespeople more companies around the world. Uh, that's really what gets me going. Uh, I, I know it's boring. It's not like this. I'm, I'm excited about sales on planet Mars or something, <laughs> interstellar sales. Like There's not, nothing like that that drives me. It's really just our customers and servicing them better and better every day, making a difference, helping awesome companies succeed. That, that gets me excited. All right, Stelly, it's now time for our lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I'd like you to answer them just as quickly as you can. Are you ready? Cool, ready. What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received? Um, that all advice is nothing but limited life, you know, limited life experience and overgeneralization. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? I would recommend... Huh. To your audience, I would probably recommend a book called The PayPal Wars. It's shocking to me that most software people, startup people, don't know that book. And it, most people I met have not read it yet. And it's an awesome book. And we actually, we actually made it a policy to make every new employee read that book. Because it's awesome because it's written... It's very, it's really well written. So it's kind of a page turner. It's kind of a story. So you really get sucked into the story of like the early days of PayPal, especially the days where there was big crisis and how they they survived. And it's not written by the founder or the CEO or somebody like that, but it's written by an early marketing hire. So somebody that was really junior and grew into a really important person in the company um, and I don't find that there's so many, maybe there's not a single book I know it's written about a startup uh, from an employee's perspective, an early employee's perspective. So I just love that book. It's really fun. It's really entertaining. It's a great perspective. It's like Silicon Valley history. Uh, and it's, I'm shocked that so many, that most people I talk to don't know that book. So The PayPal Wars is an awesome book to read. I didn't know that book either. And it's uh, going on my reading list. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? 
I mean, determination is definitely it. I, I really don't think there's one formula for success. Uh, and I have this every day. People ask me, what makes somebody a great entrepreneur? I don't know. Uh, and I don't think there's one thing for everything that I find great about a certain entrepreneur, I could find you a counterexample. So I don't think there's one path to do it. But there's determination is definitely the thing that no entrepreneur that's been successful that I'm aware of or know was able to lack or not have. So I think you can – I love this quote from PG. Maybe I should have said that quote at the, at the beginning. I didn't think of it. But uh, Paul Graham from Y Combinator said, uh, you can be surprisingly stupid if you are sufficiently determined. Uh, and, and I truly believe that determination is the one thing you cannot lack to be successful as an entrepreneur. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? It's a great question. Tool, productivity. Well, okay. So two things. Uh, one, Evernote. I love Evernote. I love it. Absolutely love it. I I use it, uh, substantially every single day to take notes about everything. Um, so Evernote is a tool that I love. Uh, followup.cc is a really cool, really tiny tool that helps me get my follow-up level up. And I, I advise this to a lot of people. If you really want to have your follow-up game up to pro level, just use followup.cc. Um, in terms of habit, I think the, 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 the biggest productivity habit that I have is, is saying no and, and saying no to lots and lots of things. Uh, no to personal to meetings, no to partnerships. I just know what I don't want to do, and I and I'm I always knew it, but back in the day, I would second guess and doubt myself. So I would do a lot of things that I wasn't feeling great about. So my day was always cluttered with way too many meetings, way too many things, and, and now I say no to eighty percent of the things that people want to do with me, and that helps me be really productive and really get the things accomplished that really matter to my business. If you had to start over tomorrow, how would you go about finding that next business opportunity? Wow, that's a great question. It blows, even the thought of doing that blows my mind and my imagination. I don't even know. Um, I think what I wouldn't do is I wouldn't try to find an idea. So I wouldn't say, I want to be an entrepreneur. Let me research the market. Let me brainstorm. Let me come up with some idea that I can start. I don't believe, every time I've done something to that effect, it wasn't really successful or enjoyable. So I don't think I would try to find an idea. Um, what I would try to do probably is just to say, all right, what are my skills right now? Who can I help? And I would go out there and try to help. And then I might start write about the things that I do to help either companies or people. And I truly believe that, uh, you know, the idea that presents itself then. Uh, but I would, I would come... I would go about it not from a I want to start a business, but from the perspective of how can I create value in the market today? What's the thing I can do today immediately to help somebody? And I wouldn't worry if it's a manual thing or service thing, if it would be me like showing up at somebody's office doing something for them. I wouldn't worry about like it being a product or it being scalable, quote unquote. I would just try to help immediately create value right now and everything else sorts itself out. Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of us get caught up with you know, it just this inertia of like waiting for this idea to come along, right? I mean, once yeah. once we have that idea, then we'll be able to execute. But yeah. I I love this philosophy of just just take your skills, go and help, and um, you know, inevitably opportunities will present themselves every day, right? Because every day we're faced with so many problems. 
Absolutely. I think if you're out there and you're hustling and you're creating value and you're helping people and companies and you're just just trying every day to make a difference, it's you can't but like stumble over big opportunities or do something, you do it again and again and then discover, holy, all these companies have the same problem and I'm doing this manually, but I could totally build software to fix this. Like the ideas are not the problem. Uh, and I think too many of us, I certainly had this disease or this this misperception that not only did I need an idea that I liked, I needed an idea I liked and I thought was massive. Like from the get-go, mm-hmm. it needed to be huge. And I really think that's the wrong way to go about it. I think you do something. You don't worry about is it big, is it small. You just worry, do I love what I do and do I really make a difference? And everything else sorts itself out. And all of a sudden, this little thing grows and grows and then becomes a massive thing. Um, so, yeah. I love that. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? Hmm. Most people probably don't know that for a period of like two years or so, I I seriously studied hypnosis and I got certified as a hypnotist and I was really into it. That's how you sell. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work? Um, honestly, outside of my work, I don't have too many hobbies or something. I love to read. I read a lot, but I do, I've launched two little baby boys, uh, one, uh, two and a half years ago and the other one, eight months ago. So I have two little boys and, uh, and, and they really, they are all consuming outside of work. That's where, that's what I I love to spend my time with and around spending time with my kids, playing with them, hanging out with them, being crazy with them. So um, I'm like my passion besides my business is being a dad. Great answers. Sally, I want to thank you for joining me today and, and sharing your experiences and insights with our audience. And thank you for letting us get to know you a little better personally as well. Now, if folks want to find out more about close.io, they can go to close.io and if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way to do that is just send me an email. Uh, my email address is steli, S-T-E-L-I, at close.io. Steli at close.io. Uh, like, I say no to a lot of people, but people that I don't say no to are entrepreneurs, right? Uh, I have a really hard time saying no. So if you want help, if you want to brainstorm, if you have questions, whatever it is, if you feel like I could, I could help or I could make any kind of difference, um, to you, send an email. I'm always happy to help if I can. Awesome. Thanks again, Sally, and I wish you continued success. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Cheers.